Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Arseholics. Thank you for joining us. It's it's going to be a little bit of a weird one today because for technical reasons, I won't bore you with those reasons, but for technical reasons, we might not be able to upload a video today. So this might not go to YouTube. Um, it's just Aaron and myself today as well. So what we've decided is to make this relatively cash. Um, we haven't got the usual agenda prepared that we would normally, but in fairness, the feelings are still a little bit raw from um, last night's game. So uh, in case you've been living under a rock, we drew 2-2 with Crystal Palace um, at home yesterday, equalising literally last kick of the game. Um, and it it has really, really, what do I say, divided emotions um, amongst Arsenal fans. There's been lots to talk about. I mean, Aaron and Terrell, what, what, what are your thoughts now? How do you feel now, a day after the game? Yeah, good, good question. I... Look, I think my main takeaway, like most fans, is a disappointment at the result and a disappointment with the performance. That is my headline takeaway, is ultimately these types of performances are becoming more frequent. You know, we looked at Brentford was, okay, we didn't have the first team out, fine. Um, Brighton was, okay, this was a one-off because Brighton played really well. And I said, oh, maybe Brighton played really well. But Palace at home, sort of starting to run out of excuses now, I think. And that's my main concern, which is, is this going to be a blip or is this the norm? And was Spurs at home actually an exception to what is our baseline of what this team are about? And that is a really worrying point, isn't it? Because we did talk about this when we were trying to preview this game. And we, we, we basically said, look, in theory, if I recall what we said correctly, <laughs> you know, in theory, we've got the players that should be capable of putting attacking performances of the quality that we did in the top, in the first half against Tottenham. The Norwich game gave us some added belief that maybe, you know, this is something that could be repeated, you know, if, if you look at that in conjunction with the Tottenham game. But it was really, it was really depressingly predictable in some ways. Um, the the lack of attacking cohesion was there, pretty much throughout the game. But let's, I mean, you know, the first twenty minutes were okay, they weren't there, and because I, you know, it felt like actually the first twenty minutes it was good from a fan's perspective, and it was also good from a team perspective because we 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 put out this fairly attacking lineup. The four three three was out on show. Thomas Partey the, is the only recognised central midfielder if you count Odegaard and ESR as you know more attacking players uh so the fans were kind of buzzed it felt like you know in in the stands when we were talking about the lineup when we were reflecting on the lineup getting geared up for it although it was wet windy rainy I think there was a little bit of a buzz at the beginning and the team did do well for 20 minutes or so didn't they yeah I mean I think we should point out that you went to the game I didn't and I watched it from home yeah. and then additional caveat is my my Sky box decided to completely stop working five minutes before the game. So I actually missed the first 10 minutes in the first goal. Yeah. Um, so maybe my perception of the game is a bit, you know, warped because I missed this whole, um, this bit where we played one. <laughs> I remember I, I texted you and you said, oh, we're playing really well. And I was like, okay, this is great. We're one nil up. We put it on expecting big things. And then literally since the minute I put it on, we did nothing. Um, so, hmm. um, yeah, I look, I think 
what's a bit frustrating is we got the early goal, um, which is something that I often feel holds us back a bit because, you know, we're often like probing and pushing and we don't want to overcommit, but we got the early goal and that should have really set us up for um, bigger and better things throughout the rest of the game. But no, I mean, to go back to your question, the team news, I was, I was pretty happy with the team. I thought it was attacking, it was what we wanted, but, you know, I... I mean, I'll ask you the question. Do you think this is the personnel or do you think this is the system, the tactics and ultimately the coaching? I was going to give an annoying answer and say a bit of everything. I think on one hand, you can't fault the manager for the players that he put on the pitch in trying to get some attacking returns. You know, he, he put out an attacking lineup. If anyone was to write down, I think what the, you know, what they believe Arsenal's best 11 is, um, it's it's highly likely that that's the 11 that, that, that could be put out. And at home, you think that's probably how you'd like to see us set up if we are going to be slightly adventurous. Um, and honestly, in the first 20 minutes, we looked like a team with a plan. We looked like we controlled the game. And we looked like we were trying to attack from the flanks. And and everything was rosy until you know we scored. And then afterwards, then it started looking like all those things that I've just mentioned were wrong it started looking a little bit like the lineup was wrong because it started looking like we weren't able to control the midfield. It then started looking like players didn't quite know what their role in this system was. Odegaard didn't seem to know what he was really doing. Partey didn't quite know when he, whether he was supposed to be just sitting back or, or, or doing more. ESR similarly tried to impose himself, I think. But basically, it looked like that wasn't quite there. And then what it looked like was all the attacking creativity was stifled. Everything was very, very kind of very lethargic everything was very turgid everything was seemingly thought through a bit too much so in that way mate i'd say the opposite you know the rest of the game felt like all those things that you've mentioned were all wrong you know the coaching the 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 team selection the tactics you name it so it was very difficult i think to gauge from that perspective yeah i think you're right i think you know ultimately i think last season i spent a lot of time complaining that we didn't have the midfield um but you know, I'm beginning to think that this isn't just a, okay, it's the midfield that's broken or it's the front three that's broken. It's simply the system and the way we are coached, like whether the way they were setting up, the way the, co- the players are being coached, which is simply, which simply doesn't really create high quality chances that frequently. And, you know, the way we progress the ball forward, you know, there were a number of times where, um, I felt like we didn't really play the attacking pass forward. I don't know if you've seen the highlights or if you even saw it in the ground, but there was a moment where Smith Rowe was um, kind of in, you know, and we we got a chance to have a run at their back four, Mm -hmm. back three, and then Pepe was in in behind. But, you know, Smith Rowe chose to shoot rather than play the pass in. And, you know, there's this number of opportunities where we seem to not take the most direct approach to goal and seem to be quite timid, quite cautious, quite measured in our build-up. And mm. we don't really take the game to them. And that that just seems to manifest itself throughout the team. So it's not, a, okay, this is a front three, but, you know, sometimes Partey isn't playing the ball quick, forward quickly enough. Or sometimes Erdegaard, you know, I thought Erdegaard had a really bad game yesterday and also against Brighton as well but he isn't really picking the most direct passes and playing the passes quickly enough and I I wonder if that's a a quality issue or if that's an an instruction on how we should try and build up play which 
in my opinion, is just wrong. So, look, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and let me try and spin everything a little bit differently, okay? And yeah. just tell me what you think about this, right? So, you know, you you talked about the, some of the features in our game which you just talked about. Um, okay, I'll start off by saying, how much do you think that because we're Arsenal fans and we have been um, under the Wenger regime for such a long time and, you know, most of our fan base, you know, it's been a real feature of our support for the club. We are all about possession football. That's kind of what we see as good football. That's what we think in terms of what good looks like. And how much of it do you think is a case where we as Arsenal fans, when we see our team playing and not having that much of a ball and not dominating possession, do we almost immediately associate that with not playing well in itself? Um, I think that used to be the case. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think ultimately fans can see that this team are not scoring goals. And not only are we not scoring goals, it's not like we're missing loads of chances and every keeper is having a a world-class game against us. We're simply not creating enough high-quality shots. Um, And... You know, the, you know, you work your way backwards, right? We're not scoring goals. Why? Because we're not shooting enough. Why are we not shooting enough? Because we're not getting the ball into good shooting positions. And why are we not getting the ball into good shooting positions? Because our play to build up from the back just isn't that good. Mm. It's just not effective. Well, it isn't that good, but it's not effective or it's very easy to stop. All right. Well, um, I'll challenge you again. Sorry, I'll challenge you a little bit because, again, this is where... I think maybe we can use the stats to challenge what we saw. Because mm. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, and Let me caveat by saying... The way I felt in the game yesterday was we dominated for 20 minutes and then got dominated for the rest of the game. That, that, aside from the last 10 minutes where we were you know, really going for it, that's how I felt when I was watching the game. The stats don't actually paint that picture. So I don't, I don't feel like we got dominated. So I felt we played badly. Yeah. I don't think Palace played that well. Mm. Um, I thought, and, and maybe you, I don't know, I don't know what you were going to tell, prove me completely wrong on the stats, but I don't think... Though Palace really cut us open that much, and we'll talk about the goals, and we gifted them two goals. Yes, a hundred percent true. But, um, the I think we just played really badly, and if we were up against a better attacking team, we might have lost heavily. Um, I don't really think we deserve to lose. I mean, draw the game. I mean, I think a draw was probably a fair result, but I'm more frustrated about how we didn't really do enough to win the game rather than how we defended as such or how we um gave away the goals this Mm. is much more about the performance and we were just really really flat so yeah i don't i don't think we dominated i just don't think we did enough to try and assert ourselves in the game given we're at home to crystal palace i mean i'll flip it back again is is it and okay so maybe that's the point you know we're at home so you expect us to you know, even really, really kind of control with possession. I think what I would, what I would, no, but not, not, not possession. Okay. I think I expect us to create chances. Okay, but we had seventeen so if, shots. If, how many of those shots were? Okay, a couple of things. So I think yeah. a lot of the high quality chances came at the very end mm-hmm. in the last mm. seven or eight minutes, where I actually was quite impressed with how we. If we played like we did in the last ten minutes throughout yeah. the whole game, I don't think I'll be we'll be having this conversation. Um, the yeah. problem was from kind of minute 15 or whatever it was after we scored um, to minute 75 when Lacazette came on. 
I think they yeah that is a big concern. Yeah, and I, I agree with it because I think the thing that the stats doesn't paint is you know the stats will suggest that we had fifty four percent of the possession, we had seventeen shots versus Crystal Palace's nine. We had more touches, we made more passes. Um, yeah, we had more corners, whatever. But when you break that down, I think as you say, you, you can almost isolate that to the first twenty minutes, but also the last ten minutes where there yeah. are just those spurts. And I think that's where it gets lost a little bit. I think that the stat that is interesting and. Again, then this this comes in my head to this possession argument to a certain to a certain extent is the expected goals for Arsenal were about one point six. The expected goals for Palace were zero point five, which yeah. would suggest that ultimately, you know, we created the better quality of chances, and you'd expect us to be winning the game based on the quality of chances created by both teams. And in some ways, that's backed up by the fact that Palace's two goals were ultimately a combination of two things: two individual errors so you know Partey Mm -hmm. and you can probably blame you know the people who made the pass to these players but Partey is the ball in the first goal Lokonga in the second goal but actually both the finishes Benteke's and particularly Eduard were actually very very good finishes yeah yeah both both strikers took them really well I thought maybe I'm being a bit harsh but I felt like the defending yeah both players made really bad errors especially Partey I felt um but then even then the defending I don't think it was bad defending, but I think a top quality centre back might do more to you know limit. I thought Gabriel in the first first half maybe could have gotten a bit tighter to Benteke, and then Ben White just almost leaves himself in a bit of no like mm. no man's land where he doesn't close down and doesn't really back away, and therefore Ramsdale can't really see what's going on too much. So I think, but no, I think look ultimately, yeah, Palace really took advantage of our our errors and we're very clinical so they? they were clear yeah, very clinical and fair fair play to them they i don't think they did anything else all game i don't remember them well, doing the, much well that, that, that's my point yeah. it's because you know even in those periods in the first half even after 20 minutes there's a bit of me that was going do you know what i don't really mind that we don't have that much possession because we don't look flustered in the slightest our back five looked like they were having a very easy ride and even some of the efforts like conor gallagher had a good shot at one point that was outside the area and you'd still expect Ramsdale to save it anyway, which he did. And so in that context, I was like, do you know what? Maybe we're just not going to be that team that dominates games through possession all the time. Maybe we are going to be a team that gets controlled victories. You can't legislate for individual errors like we did though. Did you know, those were terrible. Yeah. But I think we said this before, right? In that there are going to be games where our defending isn't perfect. There are going to be games where a defender makes a mistake, a midfielder makes a mistake. Unfortunately, you know, our midfielders made two big mistakes and Palace were clinical enough to finish, to punish us. Hmm. But the attack has to be able to compensate for those. You can't keep clean sheets in every single game. Some games you'll concede a goal. Some games you'll concede two goals. But against, um, you know, at least on paper, weaker opposition when you're at home, you should be creating enough chances um, to, to cancel that out. And I, I don't think we did. I think... You know, I saw a stat which really shocked me, which was um, in this before, obviously, they showed it on Sky, I think, which was that in um, the second half of games this season, we've only scored one goal. Um, <laughs> like, that that doesn't inspire confidence. And we, we just haven't scored that many goals altogether. So, I, you know, we could, we'll talk about Villa coming up, but we need to start seeing performances as well as results. And yeah. if we win another game 1-0, that will be, you know, I'll take the points. I'm not stupid. But 
it will become a bit more of a concern at some point this attack needs to start looking like a coherent plan is yeah. together and it, it's just not you can contrast it's probably a good point actually to, to to just now just contrast between the two sides because what it looked like to me is if you look at the players that each team had their at their disposal arsenal had a much stronger lineup it looked yes. like when you look at how palace played and maybe this is a discredit to Vieira. I mean this in the biggest. I, I mean this in a very positive way. That it looked like Palace just kept things really simple. It looked like Palace had a very simple game plan. They've clearly been told don't panic. They've clearly been told even when they went a goal down, it was like keep the ball, like make really sensible decisions, right? Just, just yeah. it's almost like just don't do anything stupid and be progressive. And 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 it felt like there wasn't that much more to it. So. You had players like Conor Gallagher who was who were able to almost just play with a lot of freedom, play with a lot of energy, and people were 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 you know not getting dragged into silly spaces on the pitch. They were fairly they were willing to be patient, uh, and then they took their chances. Now, if you look at Arsenal on on paper, you had so much attacking talent. Even the goal that we scored initially, I mean, look credit to Aubameyang. I thought it was an outstanding like finish, a great great yeah, yeah, instinct. But like you say, like where w- until then we then go skip to you know one way two one down and when Lacazette comes on and when Martinelli's on and it's literally all all guns blazing then we generated some mm-hmm. decent chances. What like there was nothing. There was no. There was literally there was nothing. nothing. That's that's the that's the real concern. And I you know I just I think the theme was and this isn't a tactical breakdown or anything but whenever we got the ball it just felt like. We got the ball and then we were way too slow and Palace were just so quickly and easily able to get back into their shape. And then when they're back in their shape, it, it's obviously a bit harder and then we just didn't have the quality. I thought, um, you know, most of our attacking players were just really poor and we just, it was just really, we were just really easy to defend against. Mm. Um, so I don't think... You know, I think if you're a Palace fan, you, you probably think, well, we took our chances and, you know, Arsenal didn't really create that much except to the very end. And maybe, you know, they probably feel a bit robbed as well because they probably feel like they could have nicked it because, yeah, it's not like we created loads of chances either. Mm. So um, it's it's just super frustrating. I think we we need, we need to do better. And I and I. I I I do think this is on the manager because I think the players we have when we signed them we all said look they these are press resistant players people who can work quickly people who are technically good but for whatever reason that isn't coming together on the pitch mm. and and even like even the way we press it was weird because Aubameyang was running around pressing really well but nobody else was pressing that well um, you know there were loads of times where Aubameyang would press and then. Smith Rowe wasn't pressing, Erdegaard wasn't pressing. Um, and that was also very weird. And it, it just, whatever the ideas are, either the ideas are bad or the players are executing them badly. And I'm, I'm just not sure which one it is. I, can we talk about. I don't like looking for scapegoats. I don't like it when our fans look for scapegoats. And I don't want to do that on this show. So actually, what we'll do start off by actually just building on something 
Obama Yang, it was like it was a very, very interesting performance from Obama, wasn't it? Because obviously, not only was it an you know an excellent finish, a fantastic striker's finish, he worked damn hard the whole game. It was yeah, so many did, times did. where he was he was coming into like full back positions, working so hard to win back the ball. The captain is putting in that kind of performance. That ca- the captain is putting that kind of in some t- some ways uncharacteristic performance. But like you say you know that's not surely that's not up to the manager for the other players to take inspiration from that why do you think the other players just weren't doing that i have, I have no idea <laughs> honestly i was i was wondering this as well it was you know abamyang isn't renowned i know he's been although he's been doing this really well over the last couple of games um he isn't renowned for being uh he's not an alexis sanchez for example no he's not absolutely but, yeah um he looked like that yesterday <laughs> you know yeah. at times where he's just running around like like mad and but then no one else was doing that. So I was like, well, either Abamyang isn't doing what he's supposed to do mm. and he's pressing when no one else is supposed to be pressing. Um, yeah. Or everyone else isn't pressing. And like, you know, either you press together or you sit back together. The worst thing you can do is one player presses and everyone else sits back because that just creates gaps. Exactly. It's very easy to play against. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea what the instruction was. I would... I would love to hear it. But at the same time, you would expect players like Saka, Smith-Rowe, Erdegaard. They're players who generally work quite hard. So it's quite surprising that they're not being effective at, at this pressing and, and doing what they're supposed to do. So it, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm i clueless. I honestly am. With Odegaard, the, I mean, the one thing that I can probably, if I'm going to try and defend him, I'd probably go with, look, He's still a relatively young player, and and he in this system when he's when we're playing four three three, he's generally seeming to play deeper than ESR is. So he's spending less time in that kind of number ten slot. So he's playing a deeper role. Is that the role that he is comfortable with? Even if he is a guy who has got a good engine, which he has, does he know how to play that proper central midfield position? Proper and and, and maybe and maybe you can forgive him to some degree for that. Um, but Thomas Partey, mate, like. <laughs> Look, he was signed at the peak of his powers um, as a, you know, essentially a midfield general. Like, yeah. aren't games like Palace at home uh, when you need someone to just take that role so other players can kind of do their thing? Like, isn't it the, the game that he should be taking by the scruff of yeah. the neck? And, and I, why is he doing it? So I was thinking about this when I was watching the game. And I don't know if this is, you know, one of those like, well, okay, I'll say he looked like he was missing Granite Xhaka next mm. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's because, well, Xhaka's not there. We didn't play well. You know, and you know the other data point is when Xhaka was on the pitch against Spurs, we played really well. He went off. We didn't score again after that. So um, there, I don't know if that's coincidence, if I'm just kind of putting two and two together, but he looked like he needs, he needs a, a proper partner alongside him yeah um he doesn't really look capable of doing it on his own or trying to run a midfield on his own and you know i don't think you know you're probably right i don't think Erdegaard is that type of player to really play a bit deeper and drop deeper and then move forward and try and dictate play Lukonga, um again i think he's very young i personally have never been like really impressed by Lukonga, but i think you know i'm not trying to slate him i don't think he was a reason we we lost but i just don't think he's at the level where he can be starting games regularly i think he's playing because he's the next best alternative to what we have and don't get me wrong he's better than on any and 
and maybe Maitland-Niles. But I, I think there's a big quality gap in terms of what we have going from Granite Xhaka to and Partey to someone like Lukonga who has moments of quality but doesn't consistently know what he is just yet. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he needs someone to play alongside him. And, and the fact is he's not going to have that. He's either going to have Lukonga or he's either going to have Erdegaard alongside him or be there on his own. And he needs to f- figure out, you know, how to, you know, run this midfield a bit better. Or yeah. at the very least, he shouldn't be making stupid mistakes like he did yesterday. And I did, yeah. And and I, I think there's a topic about whether we need a little bit of a shake up in terms of personnel, at least kind of, you know, uh, to shock the system a little bit. But um, if I just, before I go on to that, like, you know, other players, I think Thomas... Partey, fine. Very frustrating. And I think it was unanimously agreed by the fans when, when we were talking in the, in the stands. Like, I think everyone was getting very frustrated. A player who was really dividing opinion yesterday was Nicolas Pepe. Um, mm. You had... Look, Pepe's like the kind of player that, like, whenever, whenever he plays, it feels like you're always going to have people getting frustrated by him because of the type of, like, player he is. He's like a... He's a, he's a fairly kind of extravagant player he's kind of very kind of exaggerated in his movements he's you know like and and he ultimately is someone who I think a lot of fans have been frustrated with and I think we have said that we expect a big season from him this season at the beginning you know at the beginning of the season we said that it's not quite necessarily worked out but but yesterday when he came into the team came back into the team and if we look at the two goals we scored he had a part to play in both those goals Mm -hmm. um what did you think, though? Did you think that still he he underperformed, or like what what were your feelings on him generally? I, I don't think Pepe played especially badly yesterday. I think we got a very Pepe like performance from from Pepe. Um, I think my my gut feel on Pepe at the moment, and I haven't been able to shake this, is that he takes away more than he brings to the team on a net basis, in that. Look, what does he bring to the team? He brings the you know the ability to create a bit of mayhem, to you know deliver goals that are like let's be real, one of my more, more frequent goal scorers. If you look at the stats and the numbers in terms of what he delivers in terms of goals and assists, um, but having said that, I think there are there are two issues. One thing, one is I feel like the team plays worse with Pepe in the squad um, generally when he starts games, and secondly. I think when we play Pepe on the right, it means playing Saka on the left. Yeah. That also means taking Saka away from his best position. So there's the question then, which is, okay, well, if you're taking Saka out of the best position, if generally the attack, for whatever reason, seems to look a bit more disjointed over the course of 90 minutes when you play Nicola Pepe, is he going to bring enough you know, individual brilliance individual moments those moments where he can change games frequently frequently enough to warrant and merit that and I, I don't think he does so do I think Pepe is a bad player no but do I think we're better off with him on the bench you know I probably do if everyone's fit I think that's that's ultimately where I stand. And t- you know, when you're in a team, when you've got a team at the moment like we are, who aren't really creating chances and scoring goals through a plan, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, don't you need the player who causes well, havoc? That's the thing, right? Yeah, but that is that Pepe is just. <laughs> it's almost like well, just because the team is bad, you're almost like well, that's okay. Then that's why we play Pepe because everything else is bad. Mm. That doesn't make Pepe good. You, you know what I mean? Mm. It doesn't mean that he is a the answer. It just means that he is a bit of a, okay, well, look, we've got this thing in Pepe and he sometimes scores goals and does things. And don't get me wrong. He has won us points. He has won us games with the goals that he's delivered. But there have been games where if he doesn't score, nobody else will because he does something different. I just feel like either we're not using him in the most efficient way or when we do use him, we're sacrificing too much, too much else in the team. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I yeah. look. I agree. I think a point that you made uh, before about Saka is probably, you know, it, it, it's arguably the biggest, uh, the biggest point here, which is that Saka's best position is on the right. Saka's arguably, arguably our best attacking player, um, yeah. and therefore you you've got to have him in his best position. So if he's on the right, it feels like Pepe. <laughs> isn't as effective on the left-hand side because he can't do the cutting in and well, you know, I mean, he's, he's predominantly left footed and he, he he wants to cut in and he wants to test the keeper. Both goals came from that area of the pitch. His, you know, his shot yesterday, for the first goal, his cross, you know, for the, for the build second. So is it a case where he has to settle for being a bench player? Because, you know, is that, is it, is the right formation for us having ESR on that left-hand side with Odegaard kind of, is it assuming we go back to a four-two-three-one, mm. and is Martinelli now in a situation given Martinelli's very, very, very energetic, very, very lively cameo yesterday. Is, is Martinelli going to be in for a shout now? Yeah. I, I've never thought Pepe's looked that much worse on the left. If I'm being completely honest. Is that because you haven't really been that impressed with him on the right? Yeah. I just think you get, this regardless of where he plays. I don't think he massively improves when he's on the right-hand side. Um, but look, no, the, the point about him cutting inside is certainly valid. And I think that's where you get the most out of Pepe. But um, but yeah, I just... And I think the other thing is he's he's like 26 now. If he was 21, 22, you'd be like, okay, this is... Yeah. Yeah, this is part of his development. He's going to get better. But my question is, do you... At 26, 27, he should be approaching the finished article. And if this is the finished article that you get, I don't think that's good enough mm. to be the first choice right wing, like right, right-sided right player at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I think it's good enough for a, a substitute. I think it's good enough for someone else. But even if that he was dropping that on the left-hand side, my my, you know, I'd probably say, look, if we can get good money for him... No, let's not go out and try and sell him. But if we can get good money for him and an offer comes in, we should strongly consider selling him at a price that we think we can then go out and get a better, like a dedicated left winger, a left wide sided player to to fill that position for us. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And um, you know what I'd say is that 
I sometimes find that myself and Tew to a certain extent end up, um, you know, defending him in some conversations that we have even outside of this podcast, because there are a lot of people who are very negative towards Pepe. Um, but I think ultimately I do agree. I think we all said it at the beginning, if, if he has to step up and, and lead as a senior player, he has to have a really good season. He's had enough time to settle in. He had a good back end of last season on the basis of what he's done so far this season. It's just, it's not good enough. Even, even yesterday, you know, you need you need more in a game where you know you're you're drawing at home or struggling to do well at home. You need a player like him to step up and actually score goals, right? Like, yeah, and, like and win the game. And I'm not making a direct comparison, but Alexis Sanchez caused a lot of team balance issues. Alexis Sanchez um, made other players potentially a bit worse when they ran into their spaces. He caused issues. He gave the ball away. Mm. He ran into defenders. But Alexis Sanchez was delivering goals and assists on a regular basis yes. winning games winning say, points you say okay i'm willing to accept that because of what he does and what he brings i don't think if pepe was delivering consistently um when it mattered then i would be like fine no i can accept that because mm-hmm. i can accept his faults but i don't think he does it enough to warrant that and i don't think you know, at 26, you'd expect, yeah, how much more improvement is he going to make? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's an ability thing or if that's just a system, whatever it is. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's just, it's not working for him consistently enough at Arsenal right now. Agree. Okay. But I still, having said that, I still like him in the squad. I think he's a very good bench option. And if money wasn't an issue, then I would say, look, he's a perfect player to have on the bench. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, just one more player I just want to discuss is someone who goes under the ra- who's gone under the radar this season for, for in my opinion, maybe you know just not really, not really, not really doing what we expect from him. That's Kieran Tierney. Um, mm. He's having a bit of a strange season, isn't he? Because I think on one hand, obviously our, our new look back five, which he is definitely a prominent part of, from a defensive standpoint, you know I think that the Arsenal fan base in general has very little. Uh, criticisms of what they've done since they've come together, even yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's, yes, they could have done better on a couple of things, but overall, you think, a good back five. Um, but going forward, he was such a feature last season. Um, it was such a such a big deal for, for, you know, how we were trying to attack. He, he was such a big threat on the left-hand side, overlaps, pinpoint crosses. Um, well, I'd say, you know, on the basis of this season, the, the 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 amount of times he's getting forward is is probably not as as much. He's not really getting into that danger area as much. But when he is, the crosses aren't as dangerous as they were before. I mean, what do, what do you think? Do you think do you think he, yeah. he looks like he's been told to do something different, or is this just a, a form issue? I think it's. I don't want to sit on the fence, but probably a bit of both. Mm. Um, I whatever it doesn't look right. And there are, but there are a lot of times where I think he got into relatively attacking positions and then just played it back or played it sideways. Mm. Whereas maybe last season, or even like the first couple of games this season, where the the instruction was get him in behind, and that happened a few times. And then when he was in behind, I think so he's not getting in behind as much, and we're not playing him in behind as much. But then when we do his final ball is almost always terrible. Yeah, that's weird, um, isn't it? When it was such a feature of his game. He was, a fun, he was an amazing crosser. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know why that is. It must just be form. I don't know if it's just played too much football or if, 
yeah, he's just knackered because for a, a period it was literally our only way of trying to score a goal was get the ball to Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Um, I'm not, if, you know, Kieran Tierney's form is our biggest problem, then that's okay. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the system shouldn't really be relying on him to go and win us games. But, yeah, like, we need him firing and we need him firing quickly because it's, you know, given the system isn't producing loads of chances, there were a few times where we did have people in the box and the cross just wasn't there or he just looked a bit off the pace. I don't know if he's carrying an injury or something like that, but he just looked a tad bit slower. So um, I'd be really interested to see what's what's going on there. Yeah. Now, look, football's obviously about margins and... And sometimes, you know, some of these margins can make you reflect on a game completely differently. Um, James MacArthur. If James MacArthur gets sent off in the first half, which oh is probably yeah. the most stonewall red card like you will ever see. I mean, I, I, you know, I spoke to my mate Kish today, who was in the away end, um, you know, with the, with the Palace fans. Obviously, he's a huge Palace fan. When we were talking about it after the game, he because of the end that they were, he didn't see the incident. Right. So, so did you did you see it? So so in fairness, yes, we we saw it. But if you mention because where where we where we sit, um, you know, for those who don't know, you, you know, we're in the North Bank behind the goal just slightly to the slightly to the side so outside of one of the posts really um and there and there are quite a lot of players in the at that incident if you've got there's quite a lot of players in a very kind of concentrated area and the kick came from behind Saka yeah. so you basically just saw Saka kind of almost like fly to the floor and so it was hard to tell really the nature of the kick but it looked from basically from the way that Saka fell and the reaction of the players around you knew that there was something that wasn't quite right Right. right. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think as the fans, like I don't think everyone was there kind of going, Oh my god, that's clearly definitely a yeah. red. And I guess know? they didn't show it on the big screen. I don't know, show like, it on the big screen. It was foul, right. Um Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You you nailed it. I think there's a couple of things there, right? So first of all, there was a moment where I think he he pulled back, I can't remember who it was, a couple of minutes before that, where he should have been booked. Yeah. Already. Um so he should have been on a yellow, and then funnily enough. Mike Dean then booked Saka for something very similar a few minutes later. Um, and then, even then, if, if he, regardless of being on a yellow or not, he does that and he gets a yellow. And I'm sorry, but that's... It's a red card. It's... He... Yeah, there are, there are challenges where Granite Xhaka has been sent off because he's been late going for the ball. Okay? And we've accepted that, okay, he's been late going for the ball. He shouldn't have gone in as harshly or he just got there really late and it's a red card. Mm. This guy wasn't even going for the ball. He literally just had a kick. And he's very lucky that he kicked him, I think, on the back of his calf. Um, yeah. And as, as opposed to... And, and, and I mean, like, Saka's already injured, right? But I hope, hopefully it's not super serious. Um, because if you kick someone on, if it's the, on other the knee or the ankle or the Achilles or anywhere else, that could potentially be a big injury. And, in, you know, there's one thing defending a late tackle because you're trying to win the ball, you're trying to be aggressive and you get the balance wrong. But he just had a a massive slash. It's, it's, borderline, it's borderline assault or something. I don't know. No, it was terrible. Um, it was terrible. And I, as I said, like, even, you know, what, what with Kish, who's a Palace fan, you know, after he saw the, the incident I spoke to him this morning, you know, he's like, listen, mate, absolutely red card. It's, like, yeah. absolutely, it's, not, it's not a doubt. And I don't... Yeah. Fair enough, Mike Dean misses it. Yeah. But how does VAR w- watch that and think, 
no issue with that whatsoever. So I read something which I'm not sure if this was true, but you know, allegedly it was in the it was in the mirror. But it was something around how there is some kind of investigation with regards to the referee because apparently VAR did recommend that he look at it, but he chose not to. Really? Yeah. Wow. So apparently that, that was can't a, be. well. A, 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 yeah. Allegedly, this was a, the, there's something in the mirror about whether it's true or not. I don't know, but um, but like you say, like I, I mean, what I thought was that VAR looked at it and they thought the referee had a good view, and the referees decided that you know he I don't know was going for the ball or whatever. Like and, you, you know, the, like you've seen it now, I assume. Yeah. And there's no way he's just going for the ball. It's, no, it's disgusting. It's 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 a ridiculous tackle. Yeah. And he I hope he gets banned. But yeah, like I'm not saying that it would have changed the result. Like who knows? Palace might have gone and scored five goals against us with ten men and we could have lost. Like you never know what would have happened. You never know, but, but you you'd assume, you know, at that point we're still winning one nil. Yeah. We're yeah, still winning one nil and it's, it's our, a horrendous our, decision. It's a horrendous decision. It's our best player who, you know, arguably our best player who gets who gets fouled and then, you know, goes off at half time. Um yeah. now <laughs> Now, look, at the end of the day, okay, again, margin. So, fine, whatever, like, that happened, move on. We're still winning 1-0 at that point. So, you know, we still should be kind of doing better after that point. And then, you know, we get to that period where we're trying to we're trying to come back in the game. Lacazette, Martinelli, they're on the pitch. Lacazette really needs to score that one-on-one. You know, fine, he came on, yep. he had loads of energy. He really should score that one-on-one. Um, you'd back him to score that one-on-one, to be honest. That's the sort of mm-hmm. chance that he buries. He gives the keeper the eyes and goes the other way. He didn't that time, didn't score. Tierney then really should also score smashes against the crossbar. You look at that compared to Eduard, who's, you know, marginally his shot were fantastic effort, but, you know, it's still very close and it goes in. So mar- mm-hmm. those margins were, so- were sort of against us. It wasn't our day. Um, again, you know, I think it's one of those games that on the on the basis of the fact that we equalised in the last kick, Palace fans and Vieira and the players probably feel like they're a bit robbed. Um, you know, you could look at it in terms of the margins I've just described and said, well, actually, they were very lucky to be winning in the first place, um, even yeah. if you look at expected goals and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, if we just look forward, um, we've got Villa coming up. I think we agree, whatever we think about who deserved what in the game, we can agree that our attacking um, play, our build-up play, our, our, our play in possession um, was pretty poor. Uh, and is this an opportunity, especially after Lacazette, played well especially after Martinelli looked energetic in the same way that we basically Arteta was pretty ruthless with the back five when he kind of got the players he wanted in and he went right do you know what Ramsdale you're in Tommy Yasu you're in you know and he, and he changed it do we need a similar a similar cha- mm-hmm. shake up like what I'm going to throw some names out there Martinelli Lacazette Ainsley Maitland-Niles do any of those players deserve to be kicking other players out well I don't think Maitland-Niles has done enough to warrant a place in the squad but you know Lacazette is is definitely the one I was actually very my one positive takeaway from the game was actually how he played in the last 10 minutes mm. because for so long one of my biggest frustrations with Arteta is we never really go for go for it in the last couple of you know, five ten minutes of a game when we're trailing or trying to find a winner or an equalizer um, but then it was a bit of a throwback to the old Wenger days where he would just bring on all the strikers um, and we'd create a couple of chances and we'd really dominate. And maybe some of that was because Palace sat deep. But yeah, I thought Lacazette looked really good and he combined really well with Aubameyang. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if it's, I think if anyone deserves a chance, it's probably him. The question is, who do you drop and how do you change the system? And is Arteta too married to this this system that we have of the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1 that actually 
playing Lacazette might just break too many other things. Yeah, I, I think that is that's key. It's kind of Lacazette almost coming on and playing well. Um, it was almost unfair, well, unfortunate for Lacazette that it was a game where Aubameyang also played very well. So it's not an yeah. obvious swap, right? Is it? And I don't, you know, we can't move Aubameyang to the left. We can't. I don't think we can do that again. It didn't work playing Lacazette and Aubameyang together. Like, uh, you know, it, it rarely looked okay. Um, yeah. But Ma- Martinelli, mate. I mean, what, what do you think? I, I mean, I like him. Is he... I guess the, the thing is, like, is he doing any work? I think we... Every time we take Smith-Rowe out of the team, though, I think we look a lot worse. So maybe the question is, do you drop Odegaard, play Smith-Rowe as a you know, a 10, and play Martinelli on the left, and then either Saka or Pepe, depending on if Saka's fit no, as on a, the right? As opposed to sticking with the four-three-three and just doing a straight swap of taking out Pepe and putting in Martinelli, putting Martinelli on the left and Saka on the right. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could do that. Um, yeah, that's also an option. Um yeah, I mean, it's worth a go. I think whatever it is now isn't really working. And the question is, okay, with this first choice 11, do you stick with it or do you actually try and do something a bit different? Mm. Um, but no, I think they are... You know, Martinelli hasn't looked great when he's played previously, but he did look okay yesterday. Yeah, I thought Lacazette looked really good and brought something different. Um but, you know, we've tried so many different things. <laughs> it's impossible to know what's what's going to work and what doesn't work until, you know, we try it out on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think we when we when we previewed this period, because the last episode that we did, we previewed this period, and we kind of talked about how important the Palace result was going to be to the next fixtures coming up. I think what I said is that, you know, I think if we didn't beat Palace, then mm. I couldn't see us beating Villa. Um uh, to a certain extent, I still stick by that. But what I would say is that equalizing in the last kick of the game obviously gives you some sort of positive feel and momentum. Yeah. That, you know, again, you know, 2 2, whether you're the one that equalizes in the last minute or whether it's the opposition that equalizes in the last minute, it's the same score and it's the same points. But the feel is very, very, very different, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you think that actually the players will be going into it going, do you know what, guys? We didn't have a good day in the office, but we showed great be- belief. We didn't lose. And actually, like, you know, let's just do better on Friday and maybe kind of, you know, it was a kick up the backside. It's one of those where it's like, well, you've got a big chance to put this right now and almost forget, like, make the Palace result look like a good point as opposed to a two points dropped. Yeah. Um, Because if you win, then it's like, okay, well, the unbeaten run has continued. Um, The good feelings are back. We go into Leicester after that with, on the back of a win if we don't win that then the palace one becomes okay we drop two points there we drop points against villa the attack doesn't look great you know let's slip back into crisis um so you know i think ultimately we'll look at these four games um so palace villa leicester to say watford i think mm-hmm. and um after these four games we'll know you know, I don't want to like big this up too much, but we'll almost know what kind of season we're going to be in for after that. Yeah. Is this going to be a season where we are fighting for 10th to 7th place? Or is this going to be a season where we fight for 7th to 4th place? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I hope it's the latter, but it could very easily be the former. Yeah, because it looks like, well, you know, because it looks like there are three excellent teams in the Premier League right now, you know, yeah. and then it does look like that that the rest of the teams after that will drop points. So it's about who almost drops the fewest. Um, yeah. And we can criticise Arsenal or we want as fans, pundits and other fans can criticise Arsenal all they want, but ultimately other teams are dropping points, so it's really up to us to just make sure we, we, we drop fewer. And, yeah, exactly. And, and ultimately, if you look at the games that are coming up, Villa, um, they win games, they lose games. They're literally that team this season. You just don't know what you're going to get. And now they've just yeah. come off a ba- they've come off the back of another loss. They're conceding plenty of they goals. Win? No, they lost. They, they, they lost to Wolves. Oh, they yeah, they lost to Wolves. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We conceded three goals. I think they've conceded three goals a couple of times this season. Um, and, you know, Leicester, I think everyone still kind of looks at it and says, well, Arsenal going away to Leicester, Leicester, you know, whatever, just being Man United. Yes, that's true. But everyone said that we would we would lose our season away to Leicester and we won mm-hmm. 3-1. So these are all winnable yep. games, you know. It's 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 this is still in our control with a with a uh, with still I would say even despite the you know the the two goals conceded against Palace we're still a back five that we feel fairly like good about but we really just bloody need to score some goals yeah yeah I think you're you're spot on there are well there are four I'd say like super clubs but one of the super clubs is managed by a not super club manager <laughs> yeah so that's that's giving us a chance yeah. at four that's giving someone a chance at four. And then between fifth and tenth, there are a bunch of teams who are they've either improved a lot or dropped their level a yeah. bit to fall out of that. I think we're one of the teams that have dropped their level and not as good as we used to be. But there are a bunch of teams like West Ham. I, I put Brighton in there, like Everton, Villa, Leicester. Maybe, maybe even Palace. Maybe even Palace. Yeah. Who knows, depending yeah. on how they do. Yeah. Who could beat anyone in that bunch of yeah. challenges. Yeah. And if Man United slip into that bunch of challenges, then it's 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 going to be a free for all, like you say, um, and it's going to be whoever's the least rubbish, basically, out of that lot that might scrape fourth. Maybe maybe not because I think Man United probably have a bit too much. Yeah, but um, certainly fifth. I don't think I think fifth is very much up for grabs. Um, and on paper, we should very much be challenging for fifth. Um, and I, you know, I said this at the start of the season. Anything below fifth is a disappointment. Mm. Um, so, and we and we take for, and you know, it's, it's it's margins, isn't it? Because like, you know, fifth actually, from my perspective, we were to finish fifth. I would consider that as really good progress. It was progress yeah. because we finished eighth. Yeah, right? well, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but you know, so, you, but you're looking at it also, mate, from a from the perspective of having yes, a team that we have spent a decent amount of money on now, but it's still a team that was. It has, is being built for future success, yep. right? It's a young yeah, yeah. team. So you think that young team finishing fifth will be a year older next season, a year more experienced, a year more embedded. Um, and, you know, I know then we'll have to navigate a few other things like European football. But, um, I, and I think it's important, this, you know, Aaron, I, think, I think it's important for us as fans to keep the, con- to keep the context and keep um, rational. Um, mm-hmm. And every time we drop points, it's not, the end of the world. Yes, we would rather have beaten Palace. We should have mm-hmm. beaten Palace. But it's not yep. the bloody end of the world. And there's no. so much time to play for. Everyone still needs to stay together, right? Yeah, and that, that's the good thing about being in this bunch of teams that where everyone beats each other, is that over the course of the season, everyone is going to drop points. Mm. Um, unless a team just goes on a crazy winning run, 
I don't think any team are really that good to go on such a run where they will consistently just pull away from everyone else. So we're going to be in with a chance. But to do that, we need to start winning games. And to start winning games, we need to start scoring goals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, mate. Um, shall we quick? Shall we very quickly um, give a prediction for Villa? So I, I'm going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it. So are you. You're, you're going to the game as yep. well. Yeah. yeah okay. So we're both going to be at the game. It's a Friday night. Um, it's weird, like, because obviously Friday night football doesn't happen that often. Um, and as opposed to Monday night, Friday night's a fantastic night to go out for a few drinks afterwards. So, uh, <laughs> but it's obviously a lot better to go out for drinks after you win. So yeah, yeah. Uh, if we do, I'm sure, um, I'm sure drinks will be on the cards and it'll be pretty merry. Uh, so I don't know if that is going to bias me, but that in com- well so i'm hoping all the arsenal players are going to be like listen we need to give everyone give everyone a good friday night here um i hope that will, will come into play but also <laughs> that- to like them trying to say ah oh, we don't want to give these guys a good monday night <laughs> good point fair enough um i hope the weather's a little better um i hope the players yeah. take the spirit from equalizing in the last kick and take that kind of belief i hope they work on some of the things and it was a bit of a kick up the, up the backside that errors get punished in this league that's what one thing that was proven on monday errors get punished mm-hmm. uh, i hope they learn that um and that and finally the fact that villa do concede goals um i'm gonna go for a win uh i'm gonna mm-hmm. go for um but i think it's uh, i think it's gonna be a bit of a so i'm gonna go for a really i'm gonna go for 3-1 to arsenal okay um i'm going to go for a a what i'll call a problematic win which is i think we'll win one nil and we will be happy we got the points, but concerned that we are still not scoring goals. Interesting. So, so Villa do score goals as well. So, but you, you do think that the back five are going to stay resolute again? Yeah, because I don't, I don't think we're going to gift them. I mean, I'm going to probably eat my words, but I don't think we're going to gift them chances like we did against Palace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. Um, I suppose one more question with regards to the game. Like, what's your gut tell you in terms of four two three one or four three three? They are total. It depends if Saka's fit as well. Okay. Um, I don't know what the kind of the the injury concern is with him, but I think he might mix it up. Yeah, I think we might see Lacazette play somehow. Okay. Maybe even a four something. With, two. with a two, <laughs> like a four, four, two, yeah, a four, four, one, three, two, or something like that. I mean, let, let, let's see, because like, let, t- to be honest, I think that um, on the basis of the little cameo, on the basis that Lacazette has actually, in fairness to the guy, he's been out of the team this season, and I haven't heard him moan and complain and whatever and say all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, his post-match interview was really good, I think, where he basically said, "I'm out of the team, so I've got to work, work really hard to get in the team." Really yeah. like that. So I really hope he does get a chance. I want to see Martinelli play personally. I I, I want to see. Um, I, I think hopefully if Saka is fit, I'd like to go and see Saka play on that right hand side and get Martinelli on the left and let Pepe sit it out again. Um, that might be a bit harsh, given actually he was, in my opinion, okay. But I think that Martinelli again, he deserves some minutes. Um, so yeah, man, let's see. Um, any closing comments, let's- or shall we uh, leave it there? No, no, let's, um, I'll see you Friday for See you Friday, buddy. Absolutely. 
All right, cool. All right, guys, listen, everyone, enjoy the rest of your weeks. Um, really, really hope you have a good Friday night when Arsenal play. Um, and I hope it's a result that we can reflect on in a really positive way. We'll probably record again on Sunday night. Uh, Mize will be back um, from his uh, Spanish vacation. And so you'll have three of us again. So, um, yeah, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you all then. Thanks for joining us and take it easy. Cheers. Bye.